Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Believe in Everything Auburn is brought to you by Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. And Bet Online remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, NHL, everything's in full swing. And Bet Online is your number one source for wagering, news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is B-L-E-A-V. Bet Online, where the game starts. War Eagle, everybody. Welcome back to everything Auburn. I'm Taylor Davis. He is Jason Campbell. And we welcome you into an episode where we can talk about a win. It's been a hot minute since we have been able to recap a Tigers victory. And it came at the hands of an SEC matchup at home, which you love to see and certainly set you up well for this last third of season where a few very winnable games lie in front of us and bowl eligibility is very much still within reach. So we welcome you in everybody. Hope you had a great week and a great time watching the dub. Jay and I were both there covering the game, which was so fun. We got to connect before the game and Jason was so kind as to have me on for a quick segment on the Auburn Sports Network pregame show. And then uh, we went inside and got to cover all the action. So we're going to break it all down for you. J-Cam rocking his Auburn gear as always. And Jason, this was not only a could win for Auburn, it was a should win. And they got the job done. They left Jordan here with a dub against a Mississippi State team that, like I said in weeks prior, has a lot to figure out. So it was very winnable, but they still had to go in and execute a different team a different approach than what we saw weeks prior and I feel like they did that so let's dive in a little bit just kind of give me your your overall takeaway from this one and uh how they got the dub and then we'll break down kind of both sides of the ball well hello hello everybody you know I started (laughs) to show off the day uh before off the air I almost broke my microphone (laughs) make an adjustment and I ended up almost breaking the microphone (laughs) just trying to make a simple adjustment so fortunate enough everything is working everything is back good and you sound great okay so before I get to answer the question that Taylor asked me everybody sometimes I like to get off track but (laughs) We before know. I get the yeah, before I get, <laughs> get the ask my wife all the time, she said, "That's not even what I ask you." I said, "I know, I nope. know." My mind just be going ninety miles per <laughs> hour, Shayla. and I just gotta just you know just get it out while I'm thinking of it. It's so fine. this morning I went to go get some latte. Right, I want to get a latte this morning. Okay. I'm not a big coffee guy. Mm. I'm more of a tea guy. Okay, but this morning I had a lavender coffee. And I must tell you, it's by far one of the best things I've had this fall when it comes to Yes, it was so good. It was smooth. It didn't feel fatty. I didn't add no sugar to it. It was just a great lavender coffee. And lavender coffee. Yeah, I've been laying off desserts a little bit. I know everybody said, well, your Instagram says differently. (laughs) But I did did get a cheese Danish this morning. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I ate half of it, but then I had okay. oatmeal 
and a bacon egg on a bagel. So Ooh. I don't know about you, though, Taylor, but can you just tell everybody what's your go-to in the morning drink to get mm. you kind of going, you know? Yes. These are these are the hard-hitting questions, Jay. Um, I love my morning cup of coffee, and I'm very simple with it. I either love a little French vanilla creamer or steamed mm-hmm. oat milk, like a cafe au lait type vibe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I literally, like, it is what gets me out of bed in the morning, <laughs> not to be dramatic. But I love my morning coffee, but I'm not someone who drinks coffee all day. So it's like that one cup in the morning. That's like my little treat. You got up, you woke up. Good job. Uh, And then we carry on. I also the caffeine does nothing to me. Like I can have a cup of coffee and go back to bed. It's just like the little treat in the morning. Um, But lavender coffee, I can't say I've ever dabbled in that. That doesn't even sound appealing, but I, I believe you. Oh, it's good. It's lavender <laughs> latte. It's a lavender latte. A lavender latte. Okay. Yes. But back to your question, though. There's a lot of key opponents to this game. It was a must-win ball game, first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, we can say what we want to say, but we knew going to this Mississippi State game that we had to get a win in the SEC. And yes. and we looked at the schedule and said, okay, this may be an opportunity for us to get on a winning streak. So I feel like going to this game, it was all about – how are we going to do offensively? I, I knew defensively we would show up, but mm-hmm. you heard Coach Freeze say early in the week, it's time to put up a shut up from the quarterback position. So mm-hmm. you can kind of figure that he's going to go away from the two quarterback system and try to lean more towards one guy, try to get one guy in the rhythm and get going. And I think for, um, I think for an overall that happened, you know, once yeah. the game got started, he got, you know, we talked about on the show last week. Hey, get the quarterback into some short throws and short progressions and, you know, let the ball come out quickly and get back to tempo offense. And I feel like we was able to do that because the opponent we were playing was not a high tempo offense. You know, they yeah. didn't go as quick as some of the other teams. So we was able to do that. I feel like our offensive line got moving fast. I feel like the ball got thrown our hand quickly. We had 11 different receivers to touch the football on Saturday. We finally had over 150 yards passing. So a lot of great things happened this past weekend offensively. Now, I know a lot of folks were saying, well, in the second half, we feel like we kind of went away from our aggressiveness. Well, I think we only had one uh, offensive set, if I'm offensive possession. One possession in the third third quarter. quarter. Yes, that's correct. So, you know, so it wasn't a lot of opportunities there. And then in the fourth quarter, you're up by two scores. Coach Freeze talked about his press conference yesterday. You don't want to do anything crazy when you're backed up and give a team like Mississippi State an easy touchdown, now you're in a dog fight, you know. Field so, position was very relevant in the fourth quarter, and that played into his play calling. Yeah, so that played into his play calling. So we understand that. So going into this week, I would like to see us continue that same tempo that we started the game off with. But right. to, what you, to answer your question is, defensively, we continue to do what we do. Offensively, we took a step forward with the tempo yeah. offense. Quarterback got in a better rhythm. It wasn't a lot of alternating guys. And honestly, it was either time for Peyton to show up or have to sit down. Or sit down, yeah. So Well, and I, Hugh definitely told us that in meetings, and, and we got a chance to kind of talk with him just about what all of this has, has been like and the why and all of that, which are questions I've been wanting to ask him all season. And he said, if you come out to practice and you watch these guys in their entirety like I do, there is really no question that Peyton's the guy in practice. When it comes to throwing and accuracy, 
he basically said it's not close. But then you get in games, and for a variety of reasons, it has not been a well-oiled machine, and they have still felt like having Robbie come in frequently gave them the best advantage. We did not necessarily see that. But again, it's a point that you made recently. The coaches get way more access to these guys than what we see on Saturday. And if you're in practice with these guys five days a week and you're seeing one clearly separate from the other two, you're going to continue to go in there. But then when you feel like you need someone to provide a spark, Robbie's one of your best athletes on the roster. So it is more of a predicament than just, you know, oh, play this guy or play that guy. It's very situational. And I understand what they're up against. But I feel like it, it this did Peyton more of a service this week, giving him the full reins. Like you have said, it didn't seem like he was looking over his shoulder as much. He was very settled in this whole drive is mine. And you can kind of see the big picture a little bit better instead of putting so much pressure in that five second play. You know, he was 20 of 26 for 230 yards and three touchdowns. We haven't had a stat line from a quarterback like that all season. So I think he was very much, more sure of himself, which then makes him more sure in his play, distributing the ball to more guys. Having Javarius Johnson back is like, you you don't realize how impactful that kid is. Coach Freeze told us he is the most talented receiver. So having him back provided a spark. Jarquez had 144 yards on the ground, so you got the run game going. This was more of what a Hugh Freeze offense is supposed to look like, and Peyton looked more capable of driving it. The million-dollar question has been, you know I got to go there. Uh, it's impossible for us not to. Is Hugh Freeze calling the plays? Will he continue to call the plays? I don't think you can watch this game on Saturday and not feel like it was very clear that Hugh was in the driver's seat more when it came to play calling. He's standing on the sideline holding a play sheet, and he's covering his mouth every time he talks. So, like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's going on. And the play looked a lot different. It it, it was a... I felt like they opened up a little bit more. I don't know why that has to be some big storyline or point of contention with coaches. If it works, do it. If it doesn't, let your OC go. I understand when it comes to staffing, like the future of Philip Montgomery in this role will probably be a conversation point if Hugh does indeed take the reins fully over. My perspective is, Whatever you did this past week, keep going with it. If it's Peyton, if it's Tempo, if it's Hugh calling the plays, whatever the reason was, this is the direction you have to keep going in. Well, that is a uh, a question that I think, you know, probably will hit the planes. You know, like I said, Coach Freeze kind of sort of may have looked like he was calling some plays, like you were saying. And whether that was – because he said before he's called a few in a couple of games. He has input. Yeah, I think he can go hand in hand. But I do think at the end of the day, like, if Coach Freeze feel like he gets more into a rhythm of what he's looking for from an offensive standpoint, he probably say, hey, I want to kind of call this game. But then that doesn't eliminate Coach Montgomery from uh, dissecting plays during the week. You know, there are yeah. guys that do a really good job game planning and helping out, but then the coach kind of gets in there. If he's used to calling plays and he kind of wants to see what he wants to see, then maybe he say, okay, I'll call the game. But since I got to be out of the room a lot of the times because I got to deal with a lot of other positions and I got to deal with the community, all these quarterback clubs I got to go and talk to, you know, I still want you to be very hands-on, you know, and then we'll sit down and meet together about what yeah. we're doing offensively. So I do think it's uh, it's something that goes hand-in-hand. Hand. And, and to the extent, like you said, whatever they did this week, it looked different. And yeah. the operation looked a lot smoother. 
And so I think they will continue to to go that route. Um, Just talking about this, though, like being on the sidelines like you were as a sideline reporter. Mm -hmm. I know you don't get a chance to stand behind the players to see a lot of the, you know, I guess what you call team morale. But Mm -hmm. when you are walking behind the players and you're walking to the other side of the field, do you have a chance to glance over and see, like, what the emotions are like uh, on the sideline? Oh, yeah. That's a big part of my job. I will say Auburn's sideline structure kind of pisses me off because (laughs) other schools, like, I can be right behind the bench. Auburn has the bench backed up to the gate, which is backed up to the bushes. I'm several yards away from the dudes, and it pisses me off because that's when I get my best stuff, when I can, like, be right up behind them. I can hear what coaches are saying. I can see the whiteboards. Auburn said, no, no, back you go. So that's not as ideal. Um, I will say I don't, I don't necessarily see, and this has been the case, I think for a hot minute, I don't see that necessary, like alpha leader. You know what I mean? I think the defense has a few of those guys, but I don't see it offensively. And to some degree, I can't really fault the offense for it because there hasn't been a clear quarterback. There hasn't been a clear, you know, wide receiver target. That's the guy Jarquez has been plagued with some off the field stuff that is probably, and that's also not his personality. He's not a super boisterous guy anyway, but even like an O lineman or somebody, which we've got a true freshman playing center. So I, I don't fault them. But I don't see a guy that's like leading that charge. And I think given where there's some instability still within the program, you got to have that on the sideline. And and I think the defense gets fired up for sure. But that'll be something that whether it's a guy that's currently here or somebody we gain, I think that's going to have to be a role that increases. I did sense a lot of calmness on the sideline, though, like nobody – Nobody seemed checked out. That's not what I'm saying. But there was definitely a demeanor of we know what we're doing and we still know that we're capable of it. So I I, I took good things away from sideline demeanor. I just still think we're in need of a little more leadership. I, I say this. That's what, you know, being from the booth standpoint, when I talk to Ronnie down the sideline, is that there's a lot more in this game guys not pressing. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I feel like when you play against some of those bigger opponents and, you know, like, man, we got to score in this drive or otherwise we're in trouble. You can start to press a lot more. Yeah. Um, and everything. So I feel like when because we got the lead in this game, we felt like we was in more of control. I feel mm-hmm. like that what works best for this football team uh, this season is when we have a lead, we seem to be in better control mentally. It's totally. almost like when we're against these opponents that we feel like this game can go 50 50 almost that's when we kind of press a little bit more and that's when things start to happen and or unravel uh, just yeah. because you're still a, a football team is trying to find this identity. One thing that I asked coach freeze about, because you know, I have been high on this guy and it hasn't exactly amounted to what I was hoping. Camden Brown. And I asked coach freeze about him because coach freeze was talking about like, if you look at the lineage of wide receivers that coach freeze has had when he's been a head coach, you got some of the best in the game. I mean, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown, like go through the list. They're all big dudes. Like it's not, we're not talking about these little shifty slot guys. We're talking about the big back of the end zone perimeter 50, 50 ball guys. We don't have that. The only one that kind of emulates that is Camden Brown and Rivaldo, obviously, but he's a tight end. So I've, I've just been so confused. Like why is more not coming from him? And he said, 
body type and structure is is what we need. He has got to improve his route running. He's not a very effective runner. He's not great creating separation. If he can tap that piece into it, that's the kind of guy that Hugh wants. But I just needed that clarification because I haven't <laughs> known where that lacking has been. But it just kind of gave me insight into, I think, the theme of this offense is that we've got pieces. We just don't have it all. And, and same thing with individual talent. Like Camden's the the body and the target and the size that you want. He's got to run his routes better. Like there's just, there's little elements of it that you don't have the full Monty yet, specifically offensively. And as much as we hate hearing coaches say, it takes time, it takes recruiting. We're not quite there yet. There's a talent gap. It's true at Auburn, but I think it's so encouraging that no one has thrown in the towel, no one has given up, and we go get an SEC West win that we very much should. And I do think the next three are absolutely winnable for us. And so, like Hugh Freeze has said this week, reaching a bowl game in year one of this thing is something to be proud of. And so there is very much still something that they're all playing for. Well, the one thing you talked about, it, trying to win a bowl game, get to a bowl game, you want to get to a good bowl as well. And mm -hmm. right now, you know, if Arvin was to finish eight and four, seven and five, you know, that would put them in a decent, nice bowl, you know, for yeah. their first year uh, to go where the kids can kind of be excited about going and playing. You know, I've known in the past we've gone to the Birmingham Bowl and it wasn't that excitement because it's in state, you know, kids We're all go to from there. Also, right? <laughs> so, you know, they want to kind of travel a little bit and everything oh, yeah. so it seems like something new um so you know they're definitely a lot to be playing for for the rest of the season in a lot of ways you kind of build you're trying to build like a program trying to build that chemistry you're trying to build that 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 block to lead into recruiting season you know you want to sign a good class but you want to sign them with great energy you know yeah. you want to sign them with promise you know where things are looking upward and i think totally. that's why it's so important to reel off a couple of these victories because of that now, moving to this game, I tell you what, Coach Freeze said it this week. This is not a game that we need to just look at and, and say, hey, you know, this is a victory because every time Auburn has gone to Nashville, it has been tough. We lost there in 2008. We lost there in 2012. Do you know Vanderbilt is 12 and 7 against Auburn all time in Nashville? And do you know the series is 21, Tied. 21 and 1? Mm -hmm. Who would have thought that? So not me. This is not a game that Coach Saban says, don't drink the rat poison. We can't <laughs> drink the rat poison in this game. We got to go there with a great mindset. Well, then you might want to turn this off because I'm going to spew some rat poison, apparently. <laughs> this is this should not be a close game. I'm going to tell you that. I Oh, we didn't even – we buried the lead. I'm covering the game again. So Jay and I will both be on coverage I once again. I, I jumped my, I, I probably went out of line there, but I told I no, we needed to talk about the lavender <laughs> latte, Jay. That took priority. Um, yeah. So I will be on the sidelines again for SEC network covering this game. Jason, of course, on the radio broadcast. So I've been uh, studying Vanderbilt and Auburn, obviously. And I had Vanderbilt a couple weeks ago. This should not be close at any point. They are rotating three quarterbacks right now, and I, I guess rotating is the wrong word. A.J. Swan has been injured. He was their initial starting quarterback. Ken Seals has been with this program for several years. He started his freshman year, I believe that was 2020, uh, and then 2021 got pulled, did not play at all last year. 
and has had to step in with A.J. Swan dealing with injury. Last week, they played both Ken Seals and Walter Taylor. Now, Walter Taylor's a big dude, and he can run. So they definitely have something in him. We have not been told who is starting. I would suspect Walter's going to start. If I had to guess right now, I think they'll start him. Ken Seals also seemed to get nicked up a little bit in the game against Ole Miss. I don't know the severity of it, but uh, they have had major issues on the offensive line. They haven't been able to establish a run game. The one thing, Vandy and Auburn are leading the SEC in takeaways. So I will say both defenses have been very opportunistic in generating turnovers. So that is something that this offense will have to be keyed in on. We cannot turn the ball over and we have to be intentional with our pass game because they can get interception happy. And that's when some weird stuff should happen. But when it comes down to talent and when it comes down to These are very different personas happening right now. Vanderbilt, it feels like with their loss to Ole Miss last week, bowl games, a non-possibility. So they're out of that potential postseason. Auburn just finally got their first SEC win under Hugh Freeze at home. And now the next three games very much seem winnable. So I think you've got a team that feels very deflated and is already thinking about next year. And you've got a team that finally feels like they've figured something out. So whether it's at home or on the road, I don't think that this one will be close. And here's the thing. If it is, that's going to be a mentality thing. Because from a talent perspective, all the momentum is on Auburn. Ah. Oh, boy. Taylor just gives it to you 100. And (laughs) I'm just trying to give you locker room speak coach talk. (laughs) You know. I hate coach speaks. I'm giving you coach speak right now because – you don't want your team to when well, you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old men. Totally. It's easy for them to look at a game and say, uh, I don't have to prepare as hard for this game because we got this locked up. So as a coach, you always have to make the opponent sound bigger than what they really are because right. you want your young kids to stay on schedule and think like any given Saturday you can be beat, you know. Yeah which is true at the next level, any given Sunday, you know, one in 16 team can beat you, you know what I'm saying? That's so, so true. Yeah, so you have to think that way, even in the SEC, that, hey, if our team catches fire and all of a sudden they get hot on that day, your butt can get beat on any given Saturday if you're not well prepared. And mm-hmm. so I think for this team, and you're right, this is a game that we should go in and win by two touchdowns or more because the reasons why – Vanderbilt defense is giving up 174.4 yards rush per game. Mm-hmm. We are rushing the ball 186 yards per game. Vanderbilt is giving up 262.3 passing yards per game. We are throwing the ball 160.9 per game. Total yards, Vanderbilt defense is giving up 436.8 yards, and we're averaging 346.9 per game. And Vanderbilt defense gives up 49% on third downs auburn offense is only completing 33 percent on third downs. so if there's something to pull from there to me it should be that we can run the football one number two is third downs we should be able to we should be able to do we should be able to do good on third down because they're giving up 49 percent and we're getting up 33 percent. so that should increase for us this week now yeah we are dealing with some guys that we don't know if this football team plays down to the level of the competition because we've been playing teams up 
of late. You know, you look mm-hmm. at AM, you look at Georgia, look at LSU, look at Ole Miss. All was predicted to beat us. So we yeah. wasn't predicted to win those games. Mississippi State game was our first game that we were favored in to win. And for the most part, we played like we was favored to win. Now, right. can we do that on the road where we're favored to win an SEC uh-huh. opponent? Do I expect us to win a game? Yes, I do. Are we going to win the game convincingly? Yet to be determined because you just said they played three different quarterbacks. So that makes mm-hmm. your defense have to prepare for three different guys. So mm-hmm. with that being said, you can't prepare for all of them. But if we just worry about us and not them, then we should dominate this game. and We should win it convincingly. I'm just doing coach talk because 100 percent 22 year olds. Yes, which if any of the players are listening to our podcast, go to the film room. There are better things for you to be doing right now. Um, But no, I I definitely agree. I think your level of preparation and effort that you're putting in every single week this season is because you're not good enough to take a week off. This this team is not good enough to, to slack with anybody. That's the reality of why you have to keep putting in the level of effort. It doesn't have to do with your opponent. And look, I, I give credit every single year because what Vanderbilt is up against is different than what any other SEC team is up against. I mean, these players have to have serious academic chops to even go play there. It doesn't matter how good of an athlete you are. Your academics are always going to be a part of that puzzle so much of their funding. Luckily, Clark Lee has has garnered a lot of, you know, they're redoing the stadium right now and they're building a football facility. But these are things that as uh, everyone else in the SEC has been doing for decades, you know? So it's just... Uh, yeah, it's it's just a totally different. I mean, I've worked with Derek Mason all season. He's kind of given me a peek inside what all they have to go up against. And it's it's totally different to all the other SEC programs. So it's unfortunate. And I, I can only imagine how tough it is on the players to continue to be that team and that program. But um, they, they've got a couple dudes, and, and I would say one on each side. Will Shepard, their wide receiver, He's no joke. He's legit. He could be starting at any SEC program. He's going to leave as one of the all-time greats in a Vandy uniform. It's just a matter of a quarterback being able to get him the ball. But if you've got him in open space, he's dangerous. He's long. He's he's very, very good. So you, you got to keep eyes on him. And then defensively, Langston Patterson, who just went off against Ole Miss this past week. I think I have his number somewhere. He had a sack, a forced fumble, and an interception. Like, he's just a dude. I actually – just got off the phone with him, and he's a super cerebral, very intelligent guy, which makes a lot of sense. But specifically at that linebacker position, that's why he's so effective. It's almost like he can anticipate what's at, what's about to happen. That's what like Luke Keekley, the the guys that are so wreaking havoc, always in the backfield. It's because their knowledge of the game is so high that they can almost beat you to it. Um, so those would be the two that I would key in on. I, I think some of their best athletes are on the defensive side. It just hasn't really worked as a unit this year. Uh, they are definitely good in the red zone, though. Like Red zone offense is going to have to be really strict because uh, their defensive coordinator said, honestly, like in the red zone, we just get really simple and, and we just let the guys go get a hat on a hat, and that's usually when they're best. So um, th- those would be the ones that I would stay keyed in on. I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback position, but – 
I feel very confident in this one, but for Auburn, you have to again see a step forward. I don't think we're in a situation where just because we got that win last week, we don't need to continue to see progress. I would like to see even more offensively. I feel like we opened up a bit more this past week. Let's crank it up another level. Like we have to continue to gain momentum down the stretch. You want to see improvement at Vandy. You want to see improvement at Arkansas, another home one at Mc with New Mexico State, and then a an impressive Iron Bowl and then a great bowl game. You set things on fire to close the season. And these recruits know, okay, I'm coming in at a good time. Riddick was on the field. Isn't that his last name? The kid we yeah. flipped from Georgia? Oh yeah, Riddick. Demarcus? Yeah. yeah. He was on he was on the field pregame watching everybody warmed up. And I'm like, man, this kid, <laughs> like, he wants He's to big. be out there now. You can tell. Yeah. yeah. Those are the kind of guys that you want coming in and you want them to know okay, I'm coming in at a time where we're heading upwards and I'm about to make an impact to help it go even faster. Oh, yeah. You got him. You got Reddit. You got Perry Thompson, who's a big receiver mm -hmm. that we flipped from Alabama. Uh, you know, he's a big, strong receiver. He's one of those A.J. Brown, D.J. Metcalf-type yeah. receivers. And, uh, I mean, D.K. Metcalf-type receivers. So the talent levels that they're recruiting is up there. Uh, to compete with the Georgias, the Bamas, the LSUs. It just takes, you got to get them here first. And right now they're just commitments. You know, we got to make mm -hmm. sure that the jobs get finished uh, come December and they sign off. Uh, other players I think that that's, we can look forward to at Vanderbilt to me is C.J. Taylor. Uh -huh. yeah. C.J. Taylor is the anchor who plays like the nickel position, same as like Keontae Scott is for us. You know, he was actually like a preseason all-SEC second team uh, mm -hmm. type of type talent. And, you know, this guy right now has 52 total tackles, 7.5 tackles for loss, three sacks, and two interceptions. So, you know, he's a guy to me that he can cause some problems at nickel position. Why I say that? We've had problems picking up nickel blitzes yeah. offensively this year, you know, that, that has gotten to our quarterbacks. Uh, either we're not seeing it or we're not picking it up. But, you know, he's a guy that we have to keep an eye out for. And I would just say the other one is their safety. You know, Jalen Mahoney, I think he said how you say Mahoney. His name. Mahoney. Uh, I think he's a guy as well, 47 tackles from the safety position. Uh, you know, he has a record, five tackles for a loss versus Missouri last year in mm -hmm. 2022. So they have some players. And, you know, and Elijah McAllister that's for Auburn came from Vanderbilt. Donovan mm -hmm. Kaufman that plays for Auburn came from Vanderbilt. So yeah. they would be telling the guys all about the hunger that Vanderbilt players play with because they do feel, like you said, Taylor, that they are against the odds each and every week. So yeah. we are playing against a group of guys that, you know, from a from a football person standpoint, man, these are great people. They're, they're 100%. Right. some of these guys are just awesome. That's why I say Elijah McAllister. He gets to Auburn in January. He's already a captain on his football team because of his high character and how he install every athlete I talk to on a team talks about. Man, how he just encourages me, man. Yeah. Like how he just, you know, he lifts me up, you know what I'm saying? So you need that. Dunham and Coffin. I don't think the kid ever complains. You know, he yeah. just goes about his business, goes about his work, uh, you know, plays hard. And, you know, that's the type of guys you got to continue to add to this program is get them guys like that out of high school where they already right. come to Auburn with Auburn in their heart and it stick to them. Keontae Scott loves Auburn. You know what I'm saying? Like, this kid loves Auburn. Like, he's always talking about, man, what can I do better? How can I help the team? He's always putting team first. When you put team first, you see results in these guys on the field. Eugene Asante, this kid was a practice player a year ago. You know, Insane. practice player. Transferred from North Carolina and ended up on a practice play. I mean, practice squad. Now he's playing. 
you know, got a chance to play and he, he's lighting it up because the kid played with his heart on his sleeves. You know, he's yeah. not thinking about all this other stuff out there, all the NIL and all the other things. Like, he's like, look, I do my job. I know I get taken care of. This team, Taylor, I think this week, in order for Auburn to dominate and to show that we're progressing, is defensively, you got to continue to dominate. You got to continue yeah. to play with his aggression. You got to continue to play relentless. You created 17 turnovers in seven. I mean, you created turnovers in 17 straight games. You're one off from the record from 08, 2007, 2008 squad that did that. So if you hmm. create a turnover this week, you tie that. And that's a that's something to be proud of. Nets is offensively, let's continue to push the ball further down the field. You know, mm -hmm. continue to get Thorn early into a rhythm, get him going. But then let's take our shots, though. Let's get these guys down the field. Let's utilize the speed of Javaris Johnson. Let's utilize the speed of Caleb Burton. You know, let's push this ball down the field and, and back these defenses up so they're not just – you know, climbing into our running game yeah. and just trying to run against eight-man boxes. You know, let's push them back a little bit. Let's see, have our receivers, can they put back-to-back -back weeks together, you know, receiving and catching the ball? Agreed. Because I think confidence-wise, if you can do that, going into a, another SEC game next week, it means a lot. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of things that this team needs to go into Vanderbilt and continue to show progress on, continue to show improvement on. So this is not a game that they should just – you know, just try to go out there and get a win. This is a game you need to put a statement point on. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And it is it is kind of a weird environment there right now because they are in the middle of construction. Mm -hmm. Both end zones are construction zones. The scoreboard is being held up by two cranes. You kind of have to create that energy yourself because you're really not going to be able to feed off of the crowd very much. It's a smaller stadium and obviously it's limited because of the construction. It doesn't necessarily feel the same. And, and can they level up with that energy, with that juice, without any of those elements? That that will certainly be a piece as well. Uh, Eugene is just so quickly becoming one of my favorite players ever. Like, I just think so highly of that kid. Ten total tackles, eight solo, and a tackle for loss last week. I mean, yeah. just makes his presence known every time he's out there. And he, I swear he's like smiling through his face mask. Like he's, <laughs> he's got so much joy. It's just, and I talked to him last week on the phone, you know, his dad passed away in February mm. of 22. It was like a month after he transferred to Auburn mm. from UNC. And he told me, you know, how much he plays for his dad and, and his dad was, you know, getting sick. And he said, I, I was watching him lose physical capabilities and my dad would look at me and be like you can still fly like go do something with it and it's just you can see guys that have a perspective like that and how they play because it doesn't have anything to do with result it's just the reality that he gets to be out there and gets to play at a high level well before we close this out I do have to ask because there are a couple games this weekend that do kind of feel like they could define the season potentially uh, one for the East and one for the West and all eyes are on both of those for what could potentially end up being an SEC championship matchup. So arguably the game of the year in the SEC with how chaotic everything has been LSU, Alabama, uh, LSU sits with two losses, obviously starting with that big loss to Florida state and then, weirdly enough, falling to Ole Miss and Alabama being the team that everyone thought wasn't even going to be in the conversation. I don't know who thought that. Was it me? <laughs> but these two, 
matching up this this weekend. I was looking at a, a playoff meter this past weekend. If Bama wins this weekend, they have like a crazy high chance of making it to the playoff. And if LSU wins, there's like a 63% chance that they make it because they still have those two losses. And Ole Miss is sitting there with just one loss to Alabama. So it's all kind of confusing right now. And this is why November is what defines it all. But Alabama, LSU, crazy big matchup, postseason implications. Who you taking? Oh, this game is in uh, Tuscaloosa, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because last year, I remember LSU went for two and they beat Bama in LSU. So, you know, Saban is already coming off a of bye week. LSU coming off a of bye week. This is what makes this game really fun, uh, mm-hmm. just because you get both of these teams two weeks to prepare. LSU defense seemed to be getting better before mm-hmm. they hit the bye week. So they're not the same LSU defense of early in the season or defense showed against Ole Miss that's yet to be seen. But I think this is going to be a really good good game. I think uh, <laughs> Alabama is going to try to find a way to slow down Jaden Daniels. They're not going to try to take away everything because they know that's impossible to do. But what they'll do is try to probably take away the receivers and see if the LSU can run the ball. Uh, mm-hmm. Honestly, I know you're used to saying stop the run and make a force pass. This ain't the team you want to force to pass the ball. That's what they yeah, do really well. they're better at that. Yeah. So, so I expect them to probably try to stop the pass and force the run. Uh, LSU, I, I think they're going to try to contain Milrow. Uh, you know, he's a guy that can beat you with his arms and his legs. But then again, it can be the opposite for them. I want to stop the Bama's run and force yeah. and see if he can make uh, accurate passes versus our man coverage. So I'm going to go Bama at home by three. I think I'm going Bama too, which pains me. I really would love to see LSU pull this one off, but this just feels like one of those where it's like the writing's on the wall. LSU is going to win this one, right? And then Bama's like, nope. Like there's just something about them in that place. Well coached. I don't know what you attribute it to. Feels like one of those that they aren't necessarily the better team, but they're going to find a way to win it. Some part of me wants Bama to get to us and we have a chance to knock them out of SEC West. You're nuts. <laughs> You're nuts. It just makes that win so much sweeter for us. Think about I, it. I get it. We went out and then knock out Bama the last game before the regular season. We finished eight and four with a really good bowl game at that point in time. After where we had came from, oh and four in the SEC to win. Oh, it. I hundred like, percent. Oh, you know, because then Someone... Bama would be they would be ranked like five at that time. Oh, I, Jason, I know how insane it would be. Like, I just don't think it's realistic. Someone <laughs> actually commented on one of our episodes and said that I'm not much of a realist. And I wanted to be like, do you listen to our episodes? Because I'm constantly the one that's like, we ain't beating LSU, Jay. Like, what are you talking about? But nonetheless, um, yeah, that would be incredible. For Bama LSU, I'm with you. I think I'm I think I'm picking the tide. Uh and another huge game in the SEC that I don't know we would have expected to be this this big, but Georgia-Missouri. Missouri has put together a fantastic yeah. year. They've got a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. I think Brady Cook has put together a great season. Luther Burden is one of the best in the country in yards after catch, if not the best. I haven't looked at the numbers lately. Um, and we've said all season that we think Georgia is beatable. So is it Missouri that gets the – the dub over the dogs. Oh man, I tell you what, I think people are playing reverse psychology on the dogs. I, I really and do. Kirby I loves it. Yeah, he he loves it because 
he doesn't have to do much to motivate his guys to go out another week and try to put a show on because yep. everyone was saying how they were going to scroll against Florida. I don't know how anybody saw that. I said, this guy's had top recruiting classes for the last three, four years. You already know they lose one, they just reload. And they got yeah. another tight end that's just as big. I'm like, where do these guys come from? Literally. You know, like, I think because the game is in Georgia, I like Georgia to win this game. Uh, I feel Missouri like they've actually, had 85 home games this year. <laughs> it's so insane. Missouri actually had a chance to win this game last year in, they in did. Missouri. They had it. Mm-hmm. Literally, they had the game won. Oh, they choked. Uh, this is going to be a close, close ball game. Again, I think it comes down to the last four minutes of the ball game. But I think because Georgia's at home and the motivation of them being two this week in a playoff poll instead of one, Mm-hmm. I think motivates them to say, okay, we're not just want to beat you now. Now we want to like dominate. Make a point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like agree. Home. Oh man. As much as we try for mixing things up, we're Come picking on, Bama no and opposite. Georgia. No oh. Hell no. That wouldn't be the one. <laughs> if I was going to disagree with you, it would be LSU over Bama, but no, I, I think Georgia gets oh, the stub, but uh, you know, same song and dance. Here's the thing. We're also getting to a point where as difficult as it is, it is better for the SEC for Bama and Georgia to continue this run. If we if the conference ends up without a team in the playoff, oh, that's yeah. bad. Like that's that's yeah. bad for recruiting, that's bad for the future with all this conference realignment. Like as much as we can't stand Alabama and Georgia, it's better for all of us if they they end up in the playoffs. So we have to find somewhere to sit that we're okay with it. I think Georgia, even if they went out in the East and say they get to the SEC championship and they lose, depending on how bad they lose, I think they still get in. Um, okay. You know, Michigan and Ohio State plays each other. My really game mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this weekend, Otayo, is A&M and Ole Miss. The reason that game is very intriguing is because Jimbo Fisher could either save his job or lose his job off of this game. Because if Ole Miss beats A&M, you best believe A&M is going to throw the kitchen sink mailbox money at Lane Kiffin to try to come to A&M. And if A&M beats Ole Miss, then I think Jimbo probably gets to keep his job because he still gets to play LSU at the end of the year and they can win that one he can continue or Oof. they move by Petrino to that head coaching spot. So there's a lot of intriguing things circled around that game. And Ole Miss only has one loss. So if Bama loses this game and LSU wins, Ole Miss has the tiebreak over LSU the- because Ole Miss Gosh. beat LSU and then lost to <laughs> Bama. Right. So if A&M beats Ole Miss though, and then LSU beats A&M at the end of the season, the LSU still can go back if we beat Alabama. Because, Alabama. Get right, the so. frick out of here. This <laughs> so is absurd. So this weekend is important in a lot of ways, and no one's really looking at how big this A&L and Ole Miss game is. You're just right. the way we just said. So that's a game that everyone needs keeps their eye on, depending on what happens in Tuscaloosa and depending on what happens at Auburn at the end of the year and depending on what happened to LSU and A&L at the end of the year. There is still time for chaos, people. Still time there, for chaos. That's 
That's the reality. And I, I enjoy chaos. I welcome it personally. So it will be another exciting weekend. It definitely sets us up for a crazy November, November to remember, as Jason loves to say. So here we go. Onward and upward. Looking forward to having the Tigers in Music City, my team in my home. Looking forward to it. So uh, we will be locked in on the coverage again this week. Look forward to breaking down all the action for you guys next week. So make sure that you subscribe if you have not already. You'll get a notification every time we release an episode. You can also find us on the Leech YouTube channel. We do a video every week as well. So make sure you find us wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And we will be back next week to hopefully break down a second consecutive Auburn victory. Everyone have a great week. Be safe. If you're coming to Nash, make sure you say hello to us. And we'll talk next week. War Eagle. Ace War Eagle. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.